Good evening. I'm glad you guys are all here. Tonight is the culmination of um, more than a year's worth of prayer and meditation and journaling and fasting and hard conversation and uh, just a a long period of time of of just seeking God with... uh, with all that I know how to do, all the resources that, that God has, has given to me. And uh, tonight is, is sort of the, my opportunity to articulate to you what, what that process has looked like. And more than that, more than what the process has looked like, uh, more to the point is the, the result of that uh, for the, the immediate and long-term future of, of North Church. Um, before we, we get to that, I want to, uh, I want to pray. So, bow with me if you will. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for the promises that you make to us, Father. God, I thank you for the perspective that you've given us, the perspective of scripture, the perspective of eternity, the perspective that we are redeemed and we have an inheritance that cannot perish, spoil, or fade, and it's kept in heaven for us. God, I cling to that promise, Father, and I thank you for the fact that you use great times and you use difficult times to shape our hearts into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. I I thank you for that promise that you've given to my heart, Father, and I pray that as we talk about these difficult times and the future ahead of us and the bright fruitfulness that you have planned for us, Father, that we might connect with the beauty of that, Father, and that we might see you in the hard times even of our lives, God. Dave has prayed already for difficult health experiences, Father. And and God, you have shaped my heart throughout the course of my life, and in particular this last year, to to bring me into a greater perspective, Father. I I pray that you would draw each of our hearts as a body to that, Father, that that the circumstances of our lives, good or bad or indifferent, are not about us, but about you shaping us into our image, you into your image, about you teaching us to trust you, Father. God, I pray that you would burn that lesson into our hearts, God, and we would seize every moment of our lives as a chance to to see you more clearly, God, and to be more molded, more shaped into the image of your Son because with the fullness of knowledge of Jesus lies the perfect joy that we were created to, to experience, Father. God, I want to pray with all of my soul, your kingdom come. Father, would we see your kingdom come in our relationships? Would you see your kingdom come in our relationship with you and in the life of this this little church, God? Guide us now as we journey through uh, what you've shown me for the next direction for our the life of this body. We thank you for Jesus who makes this 
all possible. It makes this prayer possible. Chance to come into your presence. I thank you for him. It's in his name. Amen. So we're going to be jumping around. Well, not really jumping around. At the end of the message tonight, we're going to get into the some stuff in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you turn there, we'll be there in a little bit. But I want to lay out for you a few things first. And before I do, I want to paint a picture of a, of a banner. Imagine uh, I'm getting ready to tell you the, 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 the immediate and long-term future of, of where we're going and, and a couple of, of, of things about that. But if you could picture a banner over my head, this is, this is why this is happening. This is why we exist, where we're going. The point of North Church's existence is, is this. And, and I don't typically read as I'm preaching, but tonight I'm going to do that because I want to articulate this well. Um, the banner that overrides all that I'm seeking and all that I have sought to do is to have a biblically faithful church in North County where people are safe to explore the truth about God and Scripture while living in a gospel-centered, community-centered way. That's the, the three years ago when North Church had its first service and the year and a half that I spent seeking God on how to, how to make that happen. That was the motivation behind my heart, is that there would be a biblically faithful, gospel-centered, community-centered church in North County, and that's what we seek to do. So the last year and a year where I've been seeking these things and having conversations with Dave and, and other leaders in my life have come down to what is the best way to accomplish that. So uh, it's, it's this statement that shapes the, the steps we're taking as leadership of this church, how we accomplish that task. But we wanted to take these next two weeks, this week for me and next week for Dave, to kind of lay those and we will talk about the steps that are immediate in front of us um, and two things I want to get to quick before we get to to one big thing first is Sunday morning uh, the first thing and, and a big thing we're trying to do is is try and get a, a place where we can meet financially comfortably and uh, geographically comfortably on Sunday mornings we've had conversations uh, pretty pretty serious discussions with, with two churches in the last uh, probably month or so about possibly using their, their facility. Um, again, if you, I want to parenthetically insert this. I, I'm not going to answer any question you might have in your head, but, and I want to make sure that you are completely aware if anything is confusing to you or you want to know clarification, whatever, find me or find Dave after service. Find me or find Dave next week. Email, phone, whatever. We'd love to clarify anything that you're confused about. Uh, but we've had pretty serious discussions with two churches, um, one of which we were going to talk about tonight, but uh, in uh, this week, both of those opportunities have pretty much, just those bridges have burned completely, and it's, it's not likely that either one of those two things are going to work. So we're, we're actively engaging places where we can meet uh, on a Sunday morning. Guys that are prophets in my life and, and lead in direct uh, me have have been saying since the inception of North Church that we have to be on Sunday mornings, and uh, Dave and I feel as as your elders that that's absolutely uh, important. So we want you to be aware of what we're trying to do. Secondly, the second quick thing is is work for me. A lot of you guys know that, uh, and some of you may not, that 
January 1st this year, I started working three days a week in the insurance industry with my dad, for my dad. Uh, and so, uh, and that's the result of uh, last year throughout all of 2009, we were receiving about $2,100 a month in support from different organizations, churches, and uh, denominations and stuff like that. That number has dropped to $300 a month. So we've $1,800 a month less than we had last year, which is, uh, and including some, some other personal things that, that we were getting, have, have fallen away. So uh, I have taken this job working part-time for my dad. So I just want to, that's not, not any big deal, not any huge earth-shattering news, but just to, to make you aware of, of what's, what's happening in our life. But I, I want to say, too, that the next big thing that I'm going to say has absolutely nothing to do with, with that. And the big thing is uh, Dave's role. Um, it's, uh, it's been the case. Dave is, is beginning to take more of an active role as an elder. Uh, I, I don't know exactly the, the day or time when, when that happened, when Dave began to, to be an elder at North Church, but he is, um, and his role has begin, uh, begun to increase the circumstances of my job in the insurance industry have nothing to do with that. Dave is, Dave's role is not going to increase because of the job that I have, working three days a week for my dad. I want to make that perfectly clear. It's simply a help to that. Uh, Dave's increased role would have happened if the support would have continued or if, for some reason, we would have been able to be self-sufficient. Dave's increased role is because of Dave and because of the direction that we have that I will begin to lay out here for the rest of tonight. Um, I've talked with uh, many of you in our family meeting last fall and individually about the strengths and weaknesses of me as a have said that North Church, who she is today, is a direct reflection of the strengths and weaknesses of Rick. Uh, I believe that eldership is something that can be shared. It's a biblical model to have shared leadership. Ephesians 4, where we'll get to in a second, Paul's missionary journeys, all these are our instances of biblical shared leadership. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's missionary journeys where he took uh, John Mark and he took Barnabas and he took Timothy and, and others. All of his missionary journeys were never just Paul. They were Paul and. Uh, and so I believe, and also Peter and his disciples, Jesus sent out the disciples in pairs. Peter had John when the first church began in the second chapter of Acts. Every circumstance of biblical church leadership came in pairs. There's always shared leadership. Uh, for the bulk of the life of North Church, this has, has not been the case. If you were part of, of any of the, the, the membership classes that we've, that we've done from our, our inception to now, uh, you know that we originally started out with, with me as the single primary elder and two other guys, John Ryan and Ron Cathcart, mentors in my life who had planted in churches in the past, were uh, served as part of an elder team. And it was, practically speaking, they weren't doing much other than mentoring and guiding me. But for the day-to-day practical operations, it was me alone. I believe that to be a mistake. Uh, I want to totally be clear about that. It was a mistake that was made. But God in His grace has allowed us to move forward at this point to be a small but fruitful core, strong and small core, that it's relational and gospel-centered. I'm to, I kind of butchered that. I'm going to say it again. God in his grace has allowed us to move to this point 
as a strong but small core. We are relational and we are gospel-centered. And I, I place great extreme value on that. And I want to back up and say this again parenthetically. I'll say it again in a second too. Is I don't want this to seem like, oh man, the last three years have been a mistake. Oh man, the last three years have been problems. That's baloney. Uh, God has, has fruitfully engaged our hearts and drawn us into to deep relationship with him and deep relationship with each other and, and made this place and these relationships vital to our lives and vital to our pursuit of him. Uh, so while there was a mistake made in me being the practical sole elder for basically two and a half years of our existence, uh, I want to point out that we are, God has still moved among us. Uh, the last three years have been very fruitful and God is moving with a new direction of shared leadership. Uh, I've sought the, the counsel of several men who God has appointed as pastors to my heart. Dave and I have had many, many conversations, uh, discussions, hard conversations, and we have come to grips with who we are, Dave and I, as men, and who we are, Dave and I, as leaders of this place. Uh, started probably about seven or eight months ago when Dave and I started having real hard conversations about the future of who we are and, and where we're going. The result of all of that conversation, and kind of the stuff that I said at the beginning and the, as I continue to talk tonight, the result of those conversations is Dave's increased role in this body. That's what I want to talk about here for just a second. Uh, it will be more preaching. Dave and I will begin to share the preaching load uh, 50-50 as we probably not immediately, but in the next month or so, we'll begin to share that preaching load 50-50. It'll also be more of an active role in community engagement. I want to tell you what I mean by community engagement. When, when you hear the word community in the context of church, we can be talking about the community we share with each other that we've been really good at, where we have deep relationship with each other and you, we, we have being with each other together outside of these walls. That is one aspect of community when I talk in this way, together. The other aspect of community where Dave is going to lead out in, of community engagement is this way, where we go into our community, North County, and begin to engage that community for the sake of the gospel. Uh, Dave will begin to lead out in, in that capacity. So, specifically speaking, you'll hear more of Dave's voice from preaching. You'll hear more of Dave's voice from this sort of community engagement. Um, Dave will also begin to help develop structures and organizations. Uh, Dave will talk more about that in in the coming weeks. I want to give some, some biblical framework for, for this direction that we're going to have. Um, this is not an idea that Rick or Dave or even our mentors came up with. I want us to look at Scripture and consider these three ideas. First, uh, the first of the three ideas to consider, number one, to challenge the pastor-slash-associate-pastor framework that we have. Look around the churches that you grew up in. Look around the churches that you are aware of. There was always this framework of here is the lead guy, the the pastor, and below him were associate pastors. I don't believe that to be the case from New Testament. I want to relate two New Testament frameworks that kind of combat this. First is the relationship that Peter and John had. Peter, in 
Jesus has died, resurrected in Acts chapter 1, and he sent his disciples out to go and be the church. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Pentecost comes, and Peter and John, in like Acts 2 through 4, begin to set up the beginning stages of the very first church that's been on the face of this planet, John and Peter together as its leaders. Uh, Peter is the mouthpiece, very clearly. The early parts of Acts, Peter and John are together in this first church movement. Peter's voice is the one that is most heard. John's voice is there as well, but Peter's voice is the one that's heard most. Peter is playing the role of prophet, and John is playing the role of priest. We'll talk more about prophet, priest, king language in a second. That's the third of these three ideas to consider. Later on in Acts, we see the work of Paul and Barnabas. They are on mission. The mission of Paul and Barnabas together is this, to equip churches across the region, across Asia and across Europe. They are going around equipping and starting churches in the midst of of that mission. Paul is the prophet, Paul is the king, and Barnabas is the priest. Again, I'll talk more about that sort of uh, that language of prophet and priest and king. We want ultimately to get us past this understanding of pastor and associate pastor. When you look at me and Dave, I don't want you to see pastor and associate pastor. I don't want you in two months to see pastor and associate pastor. That's not the case. That's not what we're going for. That's not the direction we're headed. This is Paul and Barnabas. Paul running in his strengths, Barnabas running in his strengths, leading a people to a purpose and a vision and a task that is becoming clear to us, and we will lead us there and begin to communicate that to you guys. Secondly, and along the same line, the second of three ideas to consider is shared leadership. I talked a minute ago. One of the mistakes that I have made in the planting of this church is single leadership, which at times has led me to have too much influence from non-elders. You'll probably remember and probably know exactly what I'm talking about. For much of 2008 and part of 2009, we were essentially led by our core group. Uh, With Dave growing in his responsibilities and the future of who we are and where we are going is becoming clearer. In short, there is shared leadership and leading in the ways that we are gifted to be led. Let me say this. I sense a direction from Scripture of shared leadership. The first year or so of North Church was single leadership, and it combated with what was in my heart, and then it became, kind of became shared leadership with all of us. And it's, it's morphed now into Dave and I, as elders, coming to lead. And that's what I mean by, by shared leadership. And he, I'll talk a little bit about this. I want to I be very clear. This is... This is really important here what I'm about to say. Dave and I will have shared leadership where each of us run in our giftings and lead in those ways together. Eldership in a biblical sense is shared leadership equally. We will operate in that understanding. We, have, we are developing documents that spell that out, how we will each lead and how we will each run in our giftings. This probably does not look like the leadership of the church that you grew up in. But it is leadership that we see as biblical and that God is calling us to. I want you to to fully understand this concept of shared leadership. And again, this is just a 
a few minutes of us talking, feel free. I encourage you to, to push back on us, to have conversation with us about this direction. And the, the third thing, and the thing that, that really drives a lot of this, and I mentioned it earlier, prophet, priest, king. This is the huge part of what we're talking about and what has shaped our thinking. Uh, scripture has a prevailing thought in the leadership of God's people in three offices, and they are prophet, priest, and king. Uh, God uses each one of these offices at different times to lead and to direct and communicate with his people. He uses prophets, he uses priests, and he uses kings. What are those three offices? What are those roles that God uses to lead and to communicate with his people? First, prophet. A prophet is a visionary moving the body forward with direction and connects them with the word of God. That's the role of a prophet in Scripture. And God uses prophets to lead and communicate and direct his people. Priest. What is a priest? The priest is someone who ministers to the needs of people and connects them with the heart of God. Thirdly, king. A king moves God's people and puts them in places to use their gifts and their abilities, providing structure to the kingdom. Let's practically talk about Jesus in his role in each one of these three areas. Jesus was the prophet, the priest, and the king. Jesus acting as prophet is this. He knew where he would end up in the long term and in the short term. You guys remember the story with the woman at the well. The woman at the well was a Samaritan woman, and a Jew could not talk to a Samaritan woman based on the culture of the day. So what Jesus did, he knew this was coming. He knew the woman, the Samaritan woman was going to come, and he knew he needed to speak to her heart. So he sent away his Jewish disciples because they would not understand him engaging the heart of this woman. So he sent them away to do something. And he engaged her heart and spoke to her and, and built relationship with this woman. Jesus knew what was coming. He was operating. He was connecting with the heart of this Samaritan woman using his gift of being a prophet. Jesus also knew what was coming in the long term. When he's sitting there in the garden, when he's walking all of his life, he's walking in his gift of being a prophet, knowing what's coming, how he's going to guide and direct and communicate with his people. In the garden, he knows the cross is coming. He knows death is coming, and he knows resurrection is coming. That is Jesus walking in his long-term gift as a prophet. So a prophet is someone who knows what's coming and begins to communicate and direct the path of his people based on that knowledge of what's coming in the direction that we're going. I am not a prophet. There are prophets in my life who speak into my life. And part of who, I said a little bit ago, the direction of, of where we're headed, or the direction of who we are, is a reflection of who I am. Jesus as priest. Jesus was concerned with needs of people, very specifically, always finding opportunity to lead and direct people by engaging them one-on-one. Jesus had Peter, James, and John. He had his 12 disciples, and more specifically, he had his three, Peter, James, and John. And he was direct in their hearts, sharing deep and personal relationship with each one of them. Every person that he came into contact with, he engaged that person. That's Jesus filling his role as priest. The priest role is to connect the hearts of people with the hearts of God. That is the strength that, that I run in as priest. To my, 
the passion of my heart is to be one-on-one with, with each of you and people outside of these walls to, to engage and connect your heart with Christ. Jesus was a priest. That's who he was as a priest. And lastly, king. Uh, Jesus operated in his gifting as king by directing the disciples, by setting up Peter, and by sending them out and mobilizing them. A, a, a huge, huge part of the king is placing people in their different giftings and, and where they're going and beginning to mobilize them, bringing and organizing a group of people. Dave has that gifting. And that is the purpose for Dave's rising up as a leader here, where it's not pastor, associate pastor. It is together, us leading together, where I am running and leading in my priest strength, and Dave is running and leading in his king strength. Now, to a lesser extent, have some profit things in our lives, and we also have some beautiful people who care deeply and intimately for us, intimately and deeply for this body of believers who help and guide us through this strength as, as prophet. God has placed prophets around us. They are men who speak into our lives as prophets. They are, uh, I, I want to say uh, a couple other things about this prophet, priest, king. Some people in the life of the Old Testament and New Testament held one or two or even, uh, some cases, all three of, of these offices. Jesus held all three. David was a prophet and David was a king, and he had Nathan around him. If uh, study, he had Nathan around him to be the priest and to also be a bit of a prophet to him. Nathan is spoken that he brought words of God to David, but ultimately was a prophet and David was a king, and Nathan was around him to act in this priestly. Uh, sort of context, to guide and direct David's heart to the heart of God. Paul was a king, and Paul was a prophet, but Barnabas was a priest. Go back and read the middle chapters of Acts, probably 8 to 12, 8 to 13, and watch Paul and Barnabas working together. Paul would go into a village, set it up, set up a, a church there, and put people in positions of leadership and eldership, and help allow them to run in their strength, and it'd also be a prophet saying, this is the direction of God. And he wrote letters to those churches to allow them to, to run in those strings. He was a prophet and he was a king. Barnabas was, uh, we don't know much about Barnabas because the story's not written about much in Scripture. But what we do know is that he ran in the strength as a priest. James was a king. He was the, the, the head of the church in Jerusalem. And everyone looked to him to guide them and direct them in their paths around this church in Jerusalem, the early church looked at James as the king. So as you hear these offices, it becomes clear that I'm a priest and Dave is a king and we each have elements of prophet. Uh, I want to say that we have, Dave and I have had hard and long and difficult conversations where we look at who we are and who we are not. I want to say that these are good times for, for us both personally and for our church. We are on the brink of a new chapter of the life of North Church. And it is a really, really good, good day. Dave and I are excited about the prospects of our future. I want to close with a quick study from 
Ephesians on the purpose and direction of church and its leaders. Um, you might remember the first study we ever did was in Ephesians, the, the first sermon that I ever preached, and actually the second. We talked about our, our values and stuff in the first Sunday. But the second Sunday, the first series we preached was out of Ephesians chapter 1, and you might uh, reflect on some of that. Let's, we're going to walk through it, the first three chapters, just real, real quick. I promise a lot of pastors say we're going to do this really quick, and like 30 minutes later, he's still talking. I promise we're going to walk through this quick. Uh, remember that the church here, Ephesians, the, the Ephesus is a city that there's a church there, the Ephesian church, and Paul started that church, and the book of Ephesians is Paul writing to that church. And the, the essence of this church is it's a place Paul and Barnabas planted, and now this book is direction from Paul on how to be a church. So we can look at the book of Ephesians and understand this is the prophet and king who started most of the New Testament churches. This is his direction. It's also the word of God. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 is talking about who we are as a body, as a church. Chapter 1 is talking about the gifts of God that come with salvation. Verses in chapter 1 are these. In Jesus we have obtained an inheritance. We are holy and blameless before God. Ephesians 1 is talking about who we are and the gifts that we have. Holy and blameless and we have an inheritance. Chapter 2 is about the gospel. In chapter 2 you find verses and statements like these. You were dead in your sin. The heart of grace you've been saved through faith. Chapter 2 verse 10 says you are God's workmanship. And that word workmanship means poetry. You are God's poetry. God crafted your heart the way it is for a purpose, for a time. You are God's craftsmanship, his workmanship, his poetry. Remember, Paul teaching the church how to be the church, speaking to your heart. You were designed this way for a purpose. God wrote a poem, and you are it. You are God's workmanship. You were once separated but Jesus has brought you to God. That's Jesus becoming the priest there. Chapter 3 is more on the gospel. The addition that Paul has been made, the dispenser of the grace of God to the Ephesians people. Let me say this. Statements like this appear in Ephesians 3. I pray that God would grant us strength in our inner man, that we may know the fullness of God and the love of Christ. Okay, all of that, those three ideas, those three things that are... That are up there and have been up there on the screen, gets us to chapter 4 where he lays out the part that I want to conclude with. It gives us insight to the purpose and direction of the church globally and its leaders, and we can take direction from as the church, expression of the church called North Church, and your leaders, Dave and I. So, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner Worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That worthy of the calling is a balance of the scales. He called us holy and blameless. He called us uh, that we have obtained an inheritance. That is this side of the scale. And now he's calling us to walk in that. To walk as holy and blameless. To walk in, uh, in our inheritance. So it's not this. It's to walk worthy of that. We are called to walk in balance with who we are. Verse 2 with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. This is, again, Paul's direction on how to 
work together, live together in unity as the church. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to say this about that phrase, unity of the Spirit. When you and I talk about unity among us, the union between me and my wife, the union between you and I as friends, that sort of unity is, is a completely different thing than when God begins to talk about unity. God is unity of the Spirit. It's not something that we strive for. It's something that God has given to us. We have unity of the Spirit, God-given unity. The unity of, between man is so much less than the unity that God provides. The same root of that word unity there is, a, is the union that we have with Christ on the day when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So this unity is something that's firm that God has provided. Then he begins to get into this language of one body. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. God is in charge. But grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he, held, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But they also descended in the lower regions of earth. Don't get confused. We're getting to the point here in a second. Verse 10. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. These last three verses knock it out of the park for what I'm trying to say and where we're trying to get to. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, talking to the church. These are gifts that he gave to the church. To the church he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers. He gave them so that we could reach this unity. And then he begins in verse 12 and 13. The reason that these gifts are here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, is to equip the saints, which are you, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, which we can say is the church. So, God the way he's going to equip you to build up his church is through those offices there above. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Let me say very clearly, I, God has placed me in your life as the leader of, of this church as shepherd. God has placed Dave in your life as a leader of this church as teacher. For the purpose of verse 12 to equip you for works of ministry so that his body, the church, could be built up. Not for the sake of, hey, look at all the people that come to this place, but for the sake of, hey, look at all the people who have been impacted and affected and know Christ better because of the work of this place. Verse 13, this is the carrot. This is the purpose. Again, I said at the very beginning, the banner over all of this is that we would have a, a, a vital place in North County where biblically faithful, where people are safe to explore the truth about Christ. It gets down to verse 13. Until we all attain unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the point. The reason why we gather. If you don't know why you come to church, this is it. Verse 13 the last part of it, so that you can have full knowledge of the Son of God, 
so that you can move on to mature manhood, so that you will have the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that you will be complete in your knowledge of who he is. That's my task. That's Dave's task as the leaders of this place to guide you to that point. And the purpose of, of all that we do is to get us to that point where we can know and experience the fullness of Jesus. I talked about it last week. This understanding that, that knowledge and relationship with a holy and perfect God is so unbelievably filled with joy that it makes everything on this earth pale. Where we can, You're going to hear a guy talking a little bit about his wife being dead. We're going to show a video about Haiti in just a second. You're going to talk, hear him talk about his wife being dead, and he's smiling. And why is he smiling? Because of Jesus. And that is, that is the purpose, that all of the uncertainty that you might feel sitting in your chair right now, what is he talking about? Where are we going? Why are we here? We are here because Jesus Christ wants to have a deep and meaningful relationship with you. If you don't hear me say a word, if you're confused about anything, understand that. Jesus Christ wants to have a deep and personal relationship with you. And the purpose of that deep and personal relationship with you is that you might experience joy that makes the greatest excitement in this life that you've ever experienced is nothing. Paul calls it dog excrement compared with knowing Christ. And the greatest heartache that you've ever felt Megan, I can't begin to understand what it would like to, to have your grandfather say, I've got three to six months left to live. I can't, I can't comprehend the, the depth of the hurt that you and especially your dad feel. But I can comprehend that Jesus' relationship with him makes that a joyful moment, a joyful time, and, and beautiful. And the purpose of us being here is to, to direct you, to be led to this relationship and to lead you to this relationship with Christ that makes that conversation say, God, I trust you. You have my best interest at heart. Joy is coming because of the circumstances of my life, good or bad. That is the truth. And I hope you hear the passion in my heart that this is where God is directing and and taking us to that sort of joy. I want to say... Quickly, David to lead you and be led to be more Christ-like. And secondly, I can say this. I am very confident that God has directed the ups and downs of the last three years to build relationships and teach us all because of what is ahead of us, both in the immediate and the long-term future of North Church, is, is going to be fruitful. That's the, I, I believe that profoundly and strongly. I, I want that to be things that you hear tonight is God is guiding and directing us to this ultimate, ultimate depth of relationship with him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how you have connected with my heart. God, I thank you for the beauty and the, the wonder and the awesomeness and even the hardness of Uh, this thing that you've called 
my heart too and, and, and these people in this room tonight. I thank you for the, the sweetness and the hardness of each and every moment, God. And I pray that you would guide us to seize those moments as opportunities to seek your face, Father. God, I pray that you would guide us to have a vital relationship with you. Use hardship, use happy times to bring us joy that comes with knowing you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his blood. I thank you for his resurrection. We trust you completely. We give our lives to you, Father. In Christ's name.